Good morning. It's Friday, December 11th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 226. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Hey there, Andrews. Back in studio and I sound way better. Yeah, you don't sound like you're on a headset. Yep. Because you are not on a headset. Hey, uh, we have a lot to cover today. We also have an outrageous Kickstarter of the week. We have a swag update, but first, we've got lots of bursting news. So let's bring in our Mumble Room Time Appropriate Greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. I'm appropriate greeting. So we talked about this a lot on yesterday's tech snap, but I had to make a mention of it right off the top because this is the big story of the week this week. And that is Wired and Gizmodo both claim to have possibly found the creator of Bitcoin. Have you heard about this? The creator. I didn't realize that that was a secret. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And after he was supposedly found, his house was immediately raided. Which was kind of interesting. Rated it in. The home of the creator of the virtual currency, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Australian federal police raided the Sydney home of a man called Craig Stephen Wright. He has been named by technology websites Wired and Gizmodo as the likely real identity of Satoshi Nakamoto, a pseudonym that first released Bitcoin's code in 2009. More than a dozen federal police officers entered the house on Sydney's North Shore after locksmiths broke down the door. The Australian Federal Police said in a statement that their presence at Mr Wright's property is not associated with the media reporting overnight about bitcoins. The police raid came hours after technology sites published articles saying that their investigation showed Wright was probably the secret bitcoin creator. Their investigations were based on leaked emails, documents and web archives, including what was said to be a transcript of a meeting between Wright and Australian tax officials. The founder of the currency is believed to hold about a million bitcoins, which are reportedly worth about $400 million at the current exchange rate. The identity of Satoshi Nakamoto has long been a mystery journalists and bitcoin enthusiasts have tried to unravel. Uncovering the truth would be significant, not just to solving a long-standing riddle, but for the future of the currency. So I'm um, sorry. Why are they raiding his house? Uh, for tax reasons, they say. For tax for tax uh-huh. reasons. Okay. Why Which is I- an interesting point because a lot of the documents that Wired and Gizmodo are using to try to link this guy are leaked tax documents. So it's interesting he's <laughs> being raided by tax enforcement. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and okay. So and locksmiths broke down the door. Well, they or took like, apart the do lock. Do they know or... how to do their job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't wow. think so. Yeah, so, so they uh, they have a transcript of a meeting between Wright and his lawyers, where in a, he has a quote in saying, "I did my best to hide the fact that I've been running Bitcoin since 2009," and then it goes on to say, "By the end of this, I think half the world is going to bloody know." No really word what running Bitcoin means, but there you go. But, also, uh, archive posts from his blogs were used and leaked emails. I don't get it. So you create a for all intents and purposes, a fake currency that becomes a currency, and now this now the government's like, hey, we want some of you know we want the, well, it, the tax money on I, that. I guess the implication would be maybe he's made a lot of revenue off of it, but hasn't paid because taxes other on people it have bought it. But that right. I think but, that is I I don't know if that's the most interesting aspect of the story. Really, I think the more interesting aspect of the story is now people are saying, well, it's a hoax. It's not really him. Some people are saying it's actually two people. Gizmodo thinks it's two people, and one of them is dead now. 
Like, wow. it's really interesting stuff. It is, man. Yeah. It sounds and like And then, of course, it's, it's around Bitcoin, which Bitcoin is linked to online dark markets. It's it's about right. also about political oh, yeah, revolution true. to some people. It's for other people, it's used to buy drugs. For other people, it's used as speculative investing. And other people, they just use it to have a little fun. One of those is accurate. So it's, <laughs> I, I mean, Bitcoin itself is an extremely interesting uh, technology the technology behind Bitcoin, like the blockchain, could be one of the most interesting developments of the last five, six years. So the guy who created it is of rather importance. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, I'm fascinated. Daredevil, what are your thoughts on it? I think they're going to just lump some of these into a fight against terrorism. Like they did with any Australian hacker that did anything that impacted the world. They'll say ISIS is using Bitcoin to sell its oil to Turkey? I don't know. <laughs> at this point, at this point I, I wouldn't doubt that happened. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't get it. So, like, okay, so maybe if he is, let's say he pays the fines, whatever they may be, he'll still have plenty of Bitcoin. Like, I, yeah. I just, like, what's the big... His life will be changed forever if he is this guy, though. He's going to be one of the most famous people in technology. Cool. Uh, but some people think it's a hoax. Some people think that he's been setting this up. So the documents uh-huh. that Wired and Gizmodo ran with have been shopped around to journalists since, like, the fall. And um, I guess, like, the Wall Street Journal passed on it and a couple of um, other oh. publications passed on it. So not everybody thought it was legit. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Any other thoughts from the mom room before we move on to uh, another story? No. Go ahead. No, I just think that um, uh, when when... This guy, whatever the reason is, uh, comes up, and if he pays taxes because of Bitcoin, he will end up legit. And the Australian government will end up legitimizing Bitcoin. Yeah, at a whole new level. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, having the having the creator identified could help legitimize the currency. Yeah, yeah I was thinking the same thing, Chris. That you know, um, that. It, you know, if if he turns out to be a decent guy, you know, or if somebody's seeking to vilify him to kind of discredit the technology. No, even even even. Like just that the government accepts tax that is based on that currency is making the currency more real Legit. than ever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so you brought up the topic of terrorism. Let's discuss a little bit of uh, some homegrown terrorists. This is going to be kind of a U.S. heavy couple of stories just because it's about terrorists right here in the United States. But I'm talking, of course, about Verizon. <laughs> uh, so Verizon is to start testing toll-free data. What is that? Toll, so it's uh, thanks to T-Mobile and the shit they've been pulling to destroy net neutrality with your uh, super classy binge on plans where they take Netflix and they uh, packet inspect your Netflix traffic and then they re-encode the video to lower quality and shove it over their cheaper network and then they sell it to you as a plus. Uh, now Verizon's going to start doing it. They're, but they're calling it toll-free data because they want you to associate it with a 1-800 number. They want you to think of it as like, Google is going to pay for your data like they would pay for your phone call if you wanted to call their support line. Uh, and, of course, it, what it means is companies like Hulu and Netflix and Google and Apple will pay and for Amazon. these. And Amazon. They'll pay for these tolls. And companies like Jupiter Broadcasting and Twit and the Nerdist and everybody else will get screwed and won't be able to pay for these things. Uh, so it's good times. Uh, they say Verizon goes on to say the capabilities we've built allow us to break down any byte that is carried across our network and have all or a portion of that sponsored. That's according to Verizon's executive wow. VP. Yeah. Verizon is working with just a few partners in the testing phase, but said next year this feature will be available to all customers at an affordable rate. We'll, uh, huh. 
Huh, that's funny. Will be out in a larger commercial way in the first quarter of 2016, Walden said. Uh, and, of course, uh, the other terrorists over at AT&T have been working on a similar product now for a couple of years, although they haven't been able to manage to get it off the ground, so it kind of stings that T-Mobile lapped them. Uh, they have it in limited testing right now. They call it, AT&T calls it, the Data Perks Program. Oh, my gosh. Data Perks Program. Where customers... We're just going to take what you already use, and we're going to repackage it and sell yeah. it to you. This and... one's a little oh. different, though, Ange. If you sign up for some of their uh, sponsored trial offers, like a magazine subscription or something like that, they'll give you a data perk of an extra gigabyte. You earn a gigabyte Ooh. when you do that. So that's a oh, data perk. Uh, by the way, AT&T says, don't worry, uh, guys, don't worry. This is not a net neutrality issue. No, no. Um, this is just a billing issue. So don't think of it as a net neutrality. It's, it's not a net neutrality. Think, think of this as a billing issue. You know what's funny? Issue. That AT&T and billing issue always go together. Yeah, isn't that funny? So does Verizon and billing issues. Jeez, no kidding. Speaking oh of how AT&T is a bunch of assholes, here's a story about AT&T reporting and championing about this massive fiber network that they're, they're building out to really show everybody how hard they're investing in their infrastructure despite that middle net neutrality. Turns out. The fiber network that they've been uh, going around and patting themselves on the back about barely even exists. TechDirt points out that AT&T's big fiber deployment project really doesn't add up to much. They posted a press release last week saying how they've launched the fiber internet in Los Angeles and West Palm Beach and how they also plan to bring it to 38 other metro areas. However, TechDirt notes a few parts that were left out. Nowhere does the company state when these connections will actually be delivered. Similarly, nowhere does the company make it clear that it's targeting mostly high-end housing developments where fiber has already been installed, making the cost negligible to them, i.e. not the big investment they're claiming it to be. And while AT&T claims these improvements will reach 14 million residential and and, uh, commercial locations, AT&T gives no timeline for its accomplishment. That means... Just like it always has, it can cherry-pick a few hundred thousand condos or maybe a university here and there, maybe a housing deployment per year, and basically wrap this not-so-very-fast deployment up by 2040 or so. Jeez. Man, I hate companies. I hate the telcos. The telcos are just the worst. Just the worst. They really are. Uh, All right, Daredevil. So you think the uh, data perks and the sponsored data are just fine. Tell me about that. I think it's just fine because... Net neutrality is supposed to be they can't go and slow down one over the other. But if you as a citizen allow yourself to have Amazon pay for shipping for you, I think it's only fair to allow that Microsoft pays for the bandwidth that you have for downloads of your updates. If for uh, Netflix, which you already pay as a service, pay for the bandwidth for you to get access to that content. It seems only fair to, huh. in terms of company law strategy type thing have to be coherent. So if you want I kind of disagree for, for I don't think and I I don't I don't I just don't agree that uh that, that the two are I mean, it's apple and oranges. So Amazon shipment Amazon paying for shipment is a representation of a deal they've struck in with UPS or FedEx uh where FedEx and UPS are managing trucks and employees and fleets of vehicles and roads and they're going out there and they're mapping destinations and they're figuring out the administration and overhead of what it's like to do a massive delivery network like this where uh companies like um AT&T and Verizon are essentially taking somebody else's content that was delivered to them over a public 
infrastructure and then sending it through their infrastructure that they are charging people for very, very high rates that they are not investing in anymore. And then they're sending out to another public internet, to another public section of the internet. So they are just middleman, whereas Amazon is overseeing a relationship from beginning to end. And it's one that is represented in the physical world with fuel costs and employee costs and infrastructure costs, where AT&T is in the digital world where bits are unlimited and bandwidth is not a limited commodity like fuel is. And so there is not the same structure there. And I, I don't they're not the originator or creator of the good or item or transaction to begin with. So it's not really it's not really appropriate for them to be saying who should be paying for what, because they should just be the delivery network. Not they're They are not the originator of the content. But I think that's a lot that needs to happen outside net neutrality rules. Net neutrality is only there to guarantee that nobody can be undercut. If if you're paying for access, you should have equal access to everybody else. If if they mean that uh, uh, because we are managing the network, everybody's going to have crap access, well, perhaps you're going to change business, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean they are doing that. that. That is, the, but they are technically doing that. The the issue is really it comes down to at the end of the day, people are going to choose what's free. Over what's not. So if a new music service like, say, Pandora was a brand new concept and wanted to launch today, how do they stack up against uh, Google Music and Spotify, which are completely free for the end user to listen to on their device? How could Pandora ever compete against that? In that sense... I think even the the biggest, the most blurred line is because telcos now own content producers, like a news channel or something like sure, that. Yeah. That becomes the biggest problem. But outside of that, when I look at net neutrality, I only see as I have to give the same rights to every customer, regardless of which customer it is. And as long as they comply with that, I'm okay. Now, if we have a problem with other things, I think we should be discussing it and maybe passing new legislation for that. This seems, just, like, this seems like it takes one of the fundamental advantages of the internet and where that everybody is on the same playing field. It's the same, it's the same cost to connect to a website in London as it is to connect to a website in San Francisco for me. And it seems like we're beginning to change that dynamic. We're beginning to change the paradigm and we're essentially taking away that level playing field advantage and now we're tipping the scales to those who have deeper pockets because they can sponsor your data. Verizon is a huge, huge network and more and more people are accessing the internet on mobile. Uh, you look at... Uh, this year's Black Friday, 40% of the sales were on mobile now, 40% of the on, on, on mobile wireless. So that is a huge, huge number that's only going to continue to grow. And so now what we're doing is we're tipping the scales in this very important environment saying the incumbents are essentially now guaranteeing that they remain the incumbents because they're the only people that are going to be able to afford Verizon Wireless to sponsor people's data. Only they will be able to do that. So up-and-comers like Pandora or that new open-source project that wants to replace something like Facebook that has a video streaming capability or that new music streaming service or that podcasting network will never have an advantage. I mean, it is essentially my the advantage that Jupiter Broadcasting has now is, well, we won't be slower, but you will have to pay for us. That's not, that's not, that's not net neutral, in my opinion, if one is... One is free and one – but it's all just bits. It's all just going to one IP, one IP address talking to another IP address. It, it's, it's not like my data costs the network more than Google's data. It's, it, that, that's, it's a false paradigm they're creating and they're giving the incumbents an, a huge advantage. I don't know. Maybe it won't be as bad, as, but it sounds like it could be a disaster. Yeah. Or at least not – I mean it sounds like one of those things that starts as kind of a nice-to-have thing. 
Um, and you know, uh, in the uh, in the RVing forms, people are starting to talk about T-Mobile as yeah, the coverage isn't so great. But if you're in an area that has coverage and you want to have unlimited data in your RV and you want to watch things like Netflix, well, now you can watch Netflix and it doesn't count against your data. So go T-Mobile. People are already starting to make that switch. Uh, oh. T-Mobile is now also offering people a year of Hulu or some crap like that if they switch from Verizon specifically. That sounds sponsored. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It makes me uncomfortable because it, yeah. it is, it's locking down the internet to these large commercial companies. I remember a time where it was just sort of a more fair playing field. Go ahead, North Ranger. Yeah, I think uh, you know, your point about you know, T-Mobile and especially Verizon, you know, that's the most worrisome because um, if they start carving out bits of their network uh, to say that, well, this is our infrastructure and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give preferential access to it, um, not because we're violating net neutrality, but because we're offering services over our network, not through the internet. You know, that's carving up bits of spectrum that nobody else can have access to. Mm-hmm. Devlin, go ahead. But isn't then at that point the same as the post mail? So let's say I can have because I have this deal with Netflix, I can have a mirror of their content and just distribute it in my network. So even if, the, let's say, the internet is down for some reason, you can still access it because in reality you're using whatever my data center is serving in that region. Wouldn't that strike as the same type of deal for you? Because only Netflix can afford to put these huge storage servers in people's data centers all over the world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to a degree. I thought that, that feels like um, if you are investing in infrastructure around the internet to deliver your content, that doesn't feel like it's quite gaming like the way this is but i there, i can see an element i can see that argument let's shift gears because uh, this that is kind of a u.s specific story for the moment and let's talk about something that's going on in tokyo how about this you got a drone problem tokyo's got a solution uh they're gonna they're gonna deploy i'm not asking you they really are calling it this their drone squad oh my goodness they're calling it the drone squad and uh it's a giant drone with a giant net, a ten foot long net, it's got cameras. Tokyo's got a big drone problem going on. I, really? Yeah, I guess they're having a big problem with uh, just uh, private drones uh, flying around, smashing into stuff. Uh, and so wow. they're going to warn the operator. If the war, if the operator doesn't comply, police will scramble large drones with ten foot long uh, nets to catch the drone. Wait, so how how do they warn the owner of the? I don't know exactly because it seems like that <laughs> would be like. Uh, they'd, just, it'd have to be like, they have to walk up to the guy and go, hey, knock it off. Like, right. Right. I know, right? yeah, like, or, or maybe the, the big drone has a big megaphone yeah, on it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. like it just shoots. Citizen, you must land your drone now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of creepy if that's the case. That is such a weird yeah. market. Yeah. Like, can you imagine being a company, an up and coming company that, that has a drone to catch drones or it makes yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, Ange, I have really good news. This next story is just for you. Oh my gosh, it's Andrew Fisher, everybody. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Okay, yes. Microsoft has announced that it's releasing Windows Live Writer as open source. Oh. Yeah, I know this used to be your favorite blogging tool way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. for Watch the Fishers. Yeah, so yeah. Microsoft has released Windows Live Writer, a popular blog authoring tool, as open source on GitHub under the MIT license. The original Live Writer, I bet you didn't know this, was developed by a company uh, called Onfolio. Hmm. And Onfolio was bought by Microsoft in 20, uh, 2006. And then they integrated it into the whole, like, you had to get the whole, like, live uh, suite of software, and Writer was one of them. Right. Uh, They put on the back burner years ago. I haven't been doing updates for a while. But uh, they are making... back. They're making Open Live Writer. They hope it will be cross-platform, but they say it's not going to be trivial because it's integrated with Internet Explorer inside of it. (laughs) Yeah. But migrating away from... Yeah, we'll be using that then. (laughs) Well, migrating away from IE would be worth it, 
uh, not only for cross-platform reasons, but just to have better HTML standards. And now that Microsoft is focused on Edge, maybe it'll happen. It's a, it, you have to do it if you're going to make it cross-platform. So I don't know. I just thought you might like to hear that. Yeah, maybe that you is can, cool. Maybe you can check back soon and you'll discover your favorite blogging tool. And it actually was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it actually was a yeah. decent blogging tool. So it's kind of nice to see Microsoft taking a tool that they've abandoned and making it open source. That's kind of a, a big story, too. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, all right. So why don't we uh, transition into a Kickstarter news story as we get ready for our special Kickstarter of the week. Okay. Kickstarter is hiring a journalist to investigate one of the biggest crowdfunding failures. There was oh. this really cool Xano drone thing. Yeah. You know Sorry. about this? Well, no, I was just reading uh, the chat room. Somebody said something about, does Tokyo have Best Buy, uh, have those at Best Buy or something, the, the drone catchers? Yeah. It would be really funny if they then had a drone catcher problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the police that <laughs> you know, have that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. really funny. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so the company wants to find out kind of what went wrong on one of the biggest public failures. And so they hired this journalist on contract. And the journalist says, I'll be uh, looking into Kickstarter's role in the project and whether it could have served Xano's creators and backers better. What's Xano? Uh, that was the failed Kickstarter. That, uh, that, uh, it, was a, it was a big drone project that got like uh, millions oh. of dollars in funding and then just never went anywhere. People basically lost their money. Oh. It was one of the more public failures. I think it happened like in Europe. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so Kickstarter is like, well, we kind of want to figure out what's going on here, they say. They say. So they're hiring so they're a journalist. It. Yeah. 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 Wow. Before we get into our Kickstarter of the week, why don't we talk about how people can get some free swag? Yes. So oh we, got, we got the swag for the holidays thing that's going on right now. Uh, and if you're a Tech Talk Today patron or a Filter patron, you have a successful payment in the month of November or December? Uh, well, right now, just, it's just the November one because okay. December won't be charged until January 1st. Yeah. I, see. I see. Yeah. But uh, this and, is the JB Tree if you're watching. Um, yeah. With, and oh. if you find the link for swag in the show notes for episodes throughout the week, then you get entered to draw for free swag. And you've been sending some out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like here's uh, the Coda Radio mug that went out with a nice green handle, which doesn't quite show up in the picture and, there. And a green rim. Uh, the inside yeah. of it's green as well. That's nice. Matches the logo. Here's one of my favorite, though. Can I, I show this yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Unfilter swag went out. Uh, congratulations to Lucas. He got the Unfilter Red Book. Look at that. And it's amazing. It has uh, the front cover and the back cover have our stuff on it, and then the inside covers as well, the inside front and back. And it, it'll be really cool. I'm just going to make the one to Lucas, I'm going to have it be lined. The one I didn't realize that was an option. Oh, so. cool. Um, and you made ornaments for each show, and there's the backs of them there. And, of course, we've got a picture down here with the fronts yep, of them, the too. Yeah, I thought people might be interested to see that I I put I didn't just put the same thing on the back. It was something that had to do with the show, and uh, we had the test tech snap mouse pad go out, uh, which looks great. Did you see the the Linux Action Show? It's a glass coaster. Yeah, Get like it? A, glass glass coaster. You know, great for your beer or your other show. beverages. Yeah, it's actually so, nice. It's a thick piece of glass with the yeah, logo in there. Yeah, and I really I really tried to choose things that would go perfect for the type of people that would listen to the shows. You know, like um, with TechSnap, it it's the mouse pad. You know, they they're network administration. It can't really do a keyboard, so that works. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the red book front filter and um, oh, the action show was kind of hard because don't say what it is if you haven't. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. but that was I liked the you know putting Linux action show last in the glass. that logo looks slick and glass. It does. Yeah. And then yeah, Coda Radio with your coffee, you know, Monday morning. Um, so not only that, but uh, if you just want to get something right away, uh, we got a couple more days. Yes. Teespring.com slash last US or last EU for the hooded jacket. It's nice. It's warm. It's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, colorful. It's, it's colorful and it's going to be available until Sunday. Yep. 
Is it until Sunday? I think the, so. The 15th. I don't know. Or no, oh, I no. think it has two days left. Yeah. The 13th, maybe. It should ship both the U.S. and the EU. It should print and ship and get to you in time for the holidays. Granted, you order from the correct one, you know, yeah. the closest one to you. Yeah, yeah. But having a distribution center in the uh, in the EU is, I think, going to be pretty amazing. I, I would like to hear your feedback about how it was different from when you've bought from the U.S. You know, yeah. was I, I think the shipping is way cheaper. And more um, color options too. And also the price is in um, British pounds. I They're think. funny money. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had figures. three different yeah. options. Yeah. It no, it's cool. Great. But uh, yeah. teespring.com slash last EU or last US. Yep. A couple more days. Oh, oh, and we should with the swag for the holidays. This tech talk today. We'll have the swag link. Oh, yeah. That's probably a good thing to mention, huh? Yeah. So if you are listening right now and it's within 24 hours of the show being released, go to the show notes and click on that swag link. Uh, and also, of course, if you were uh, if you had a successful November payment for Patreon. Yeah. So there'll is... be a link in today's episode. Yep. Well, nice. Yep. There you go. And then last week, I think is the last week that we'll have swag links. But every show will be hit. So, or, you know, every show will be, Whoa. we'll have a swag. And Whoa. then we'll do it again in January for the December. I love the swag for this show. Patrons. It's really great. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm excited. Um, all right. So this is your uh, clear warning right here. We are going to transition to the Kickstarter of the week next, and um, it may not be safe for work. Yeah. It's or a, children. Pen is mightier. Let's not. Hold on. So I'm giving people a moment. Thank you for joining us. We'll be live next Friday if you're going to leave. TechTalkToday.reddit.com. And tune in for the Linux Action Show coming up later today on the live stream. Uh, anything else we need to say before we go to the Kickstarter? No, I no. think we covered everything. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm officially opening it up. Here we go. I chose the Kickstarter. Check it! All right. So before I reveal what our Kickstarter of the week is, do you want to uh, you want to explain how the hell you came across this? Because I'm wondering, like, okay. if you just went to so, Kickstarter and what I went happened? to Kickstarter and I'm like, I I wanted to get something kind of raunchy, right? Because so those but, who don't know, the last couple of Kickstarters I've brought have been totally poo-pooed by Angela and the Mumble Room. So I challenged her to bring one yeah. to the show. So on the way here, tsk tsk, <laughs> um, I went to. I, I decided to go to Kickstarter. and I was like, oh, you know what? I won't try for that. I'll just go to crafts and I'll do something really crafty because that is something that would speak to me. You know, mm-hmm, sure. So I went to crafts and yeah. I went to um, newest. Uh-huh. And just started scrolling. Sure you did. Yeah, you and just started perfect. You started scrolling. Yeah. So you didn't actually put the keyword in the search box? I did not. Absolutely not. So Okay. Go ahead. All right. Well, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, our Kickstarter of the week so far is clocking in with three backers. It has a goal of $755. Uh well, it's a different currency, I think. Oh, well, no, but it's 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 converting into dollars. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. okay, good. Uh and it currently has a ple- uh, $64.92 pledged with 26 days to go. It's penis candles for the world. I love the title. Everyone deserves a bit of harmless fun and naughtiness, making time to laugh and be shocked. So the aim is laughter. It's penis candles by Amanda Murphy. She's created the penis candle. Uh first discovered on Etsy a few years ago, uh and now with the power of crowdfunding, she plans to bring her penis world, her penis candles, to the entire world. Uh, they have black penises, <laughs> pink penises. They can come wrapped with a bow about midway down the shaft. It's uh, 
Uh, she says, what started as a hobby has become a full-time passion. I want to make people laugh and giggle when buying them something a little bit naughty as a gift. You know, actually, I wouldn't actually. I just, I just thought of a few people would be fun to give this to. Well, yeah, and it's only, if so, it's eight U.S. dollars, right? Yeah. For eight, that's the lowest pledge. You will receive one candle wrapped and boxed in a scent of your choice, which is kind of awesome, from natural and vegan-friendly colored range. <laughs> I, I just, I think she misses the mark by not shipping until February 2016 or March 2016, depending know, on which one right? you get. I know, right, the holiday. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. So I'm a thing. little hesitant to back it if because it, of that. No, no, no. If it comes by February 2016, you can get one for your girlfriend. For for, for what? For, for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's funny. That would be a <laughs> so that would be kind of at, a funny gag gift for Valentine's yeah, Day. At the 15 US dollars. That's assuming you, it makes it in time, though. You get three penis candles okay. for 15. For 15? So eight for one or three for 15. So I can give three penis candles to people. Yep. And it's soy wax. Now, the, the great thing is that I um, I actually can't burn candles. So <laughs> this is not something that I would back unless I was buying it as a gift for somebody else. But yeah, it's... um Yeah. Uh, what is what is the uh, what do you say, Mumble Room? Yeah, Mumble. What do you think? Is this worth backing for? You know, they got different entry levels. The basic the basic ones at five bucks. You get one penis candle. Is there different sizes and <laughs> that I can choose from? You know, I don't know. I think each one's unique. Uh, each one's kind of like a snowflake. Okay, so forty five U.S. dollars gets you a rainbow. Of penises. Oh, nice. You yeah. Get, you get a red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet tastefully wrapped and presented in a gift box. <laughs> That's March How much are they, are they really worth, though? they got to be over in like two minutes. I don't know. You know. Yeah, who knows? I think they're a decent size, but she's not saying the size. Uh, let's, we'll go, let's go dive into the updates and see here. Oh, size and burn time. Boom. First wow, question. really? Yeah. Uh, I In my experiment, I forgot to mention size and burn time. The penis candles are only 4.2 inches in height. And two inches at base. Hmm. Hmm. But they have approximately 15 hours of burn time. Wow. I don't know. Four inches is kind of a a little disappointing. I guess this is that way you can (laughs) give somebody a penis candle and not feel inadequate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I wonder if this isn't a fire hazard. Why? You think the penis would fall over? It might tip. I think it it has the balls there as a hearty base. On one side. Yeah, that's true. But they would be weighted to that side at least. Yeah. It's a tough call. Well. So these are out of the UK. It's it's fantastic. Good luck, Amanda, with your penis candles. Uh, I don't know if uh, anybody in the mumble room is going to be backing. I think if she had it in time for Christmas, I might consider it. Nothing would uh, stuff a stocking like a penis candle. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. I have a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter of the week. Uh, mumble room, uh, just a general yay or nay. Is that a successful Kickstarter of the week? or Because, uh, or, you know, I, I'm not backing it. So... <laughs> You didn't get me to back one. Okay. I think that might be the benchmark. I don't know if anybody anybody in there back in this project? Nope. So, Maybe as a gag gift? Yeah, I yeah. can see that. I can so, see that. Somebody in the chat room asked, why does it need to be kickstarted exactly? She could have just sold them on Etsy. Well, she was. That's how she started it. But her demand increased, and she needs to get a bigger workspace and yeah. more product in. Yeah. She Probably could another have, level of discount. Maybe invest in more production. Right. You know, and she wants to make a lot of penises at scale. <laughs> All right, that'll bring us to the end. See, it's Friday. It it is Friday. It is a Friday edition of the Tech Talk. That's what that's what we do. So there you go, everybody. There's your Friday edition. Uh, We're gonna get out of here with a uh, audio only. Yeah, uh, it's music. It's not. It's well. I mean, I guess that's actually backwards. It's pretty much a visual only thing with music. Unfortunately, I want. I always try to get something the audio listeners can enjoy for an end of show clip. Uh, but you probably probably already missed the best part if you're listening this week. 
since you just since you didn't look at the Kickstarter one. Uh, anyway, so this is a really really great clip that I think if you're a geek, you're going to find extremely fascinating. And so I have it linked in the show notes so you can watch the entire thing later if you listen to it and uh, then want to come back and check it out. For those of you watching, check out the process of building the Steam controller. Mm-hmm. 